Hi there, and welcome to Vineyard Church Delaware County's podcast. My name is Michael Hansen. I'm the lead pastor here at the church, and I am so glad that you have joined us for this week's message. I'm going to have a little bit more to say at the end, but for now, enjoy the teaching. Morning, everybody. How you doing? Good. It is awesome to be here with you, to get to share with you today, uh, continuing the series that we're going to talk about, and I'm excited for the baptisms that are going to happen here a little bit later. And, um, I'm curious, how many of you would say you're a Star Wars fan? Any Star Wars fans? And I'm not talking about the newer ones, and I'm definitely not talking about the ones that came out in the early 2000s, like the originals. Like the, okay, okay. So when I was at, um, when those first came out, and this will show my age or lack thereof, but those were just being like coming out when I was being born. So I did not watch those original ones right when they were fresh out. I watched them a little bit later when I was like a teenager. And I remember the first one I watched was the one called Empire Strikes Back. And I didn't realize when I watched it that it wasn't the first one, that there was an order to them. And so I watched it and I thought, okay, this is kind of a cool you know, story, but I don't really know who these characters are because I've clearly missed something. And then at the end, there was like not really a conclusion. It just kind of ended to be continued. It was after I watched that that I realized like, oh, there's actually like, a first one, and then this is the second one, and then there's a third one. And so when I watched them in order, all of a sudden they made a whole lot more sense. Why I bring that up is because if you're visiting today or maybe you haven't been here in this series, that's how this talk might feel a little bit like. It's got, we're, we're kind of right in the middle of this series called The Gospel of Wholeness. And as we've been talking about, we've, we're, I'm gonna try to kind of quick recap a few things, but there might be a little bit that I would encourage you to go back, watch online, listen online, uh, to the previous ones. Uh, and, and I would also encourage you, like at the end, it's gonna kind of be like a to be continued. So you have to come back in future weeks, but hopefully, hopefully you want to do that and are able to do that. But, but this series called The Gospel of Wholeness is something that I believe is absolutely pivotal for us to understand and to experience. You know, if you could sum up the, what, uh, what the gospel means, it may be one Bible verse, one Bible verse. What does that phrase, the gospel, mean? Oftentimes people will think about a verse like John 3, 16, real famous verse. Even people who aren't Christians are familiar with that verse. You know, you see it on signs at football games and things like that. John 3, 16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever might believe in him will not perish, but will have eternal life, right? That's, that's the gospel. That's the good news. Uh, and, and, but the not so maybe popular, it's still known, but verse that comes right after that is also super critical. It's super critical. John three seventeen tells us why Jesus came. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. This idea of saved, being saved is what Christians talk about when they say, are, are you saved? Have you been saved? If you've heard that language before. And it's really important that we understand what that fully means. Because I think oftentimes when we think about this word, we, 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 we think about to be saved means to be forgiven of our sins. And that's true. It does mean to be forgiven of our sins. But there's more to it than that. There's more to it than that. The Greek word that's used here in this verse for save is the word sozo. Sozo. And it means to save. It means to rescue. It means to forgive. But it means more than that. All throughout the New Testament, this word sozo is also used to mean to be healed, to be made well of illness or disease. It means to be delivered 
from demonic oppression or mental illness. It mean, it, essentially, this word sozo means to be made whole. It means to be made whole. It encompasses all of that. All throughout the New Testament, as this word is used, it, it's more holistic than just forgiveness of sins. If that isn't good enough, that would, be, that would be good enough. It gets even better than that. It's more than that. Jesus came to do all of it. The full gospel, the gospel of wholeness is that Jesus came to do all of it, but too often in our culture, we misunderstand what the gospel means. We misunderstand and we think the gospel is just about pardoning of our sins. And then we think, well, now good luck trying to get through the rest of your life on your own, right? Good luck just dealing with your brokenness and your struggles and, and your junk and just wait. You're gonna have to wait that out till you get to heaven someday. No, the good news, the full good news is that Jesus came not only to save us in a forgiveness sense, but in a sanctifying sense. Sanctifying is just a, a churchy word that basically means to be changed and transformed more and more into the image of Christ, to be made more whole. That's what Jesus is talking about in John three sixteen and verse 17. But do we know that? Do we really know that? Do we know that is what is available to us? That's what Jesus is offering us. And if we do, then how do we step into that? How do we actually walk that out? So far in this series, we've talked about two of a total of eight truths or principles that we're gonna be kind of going over. And each, each principle, each concept has a, a scripture reference with it. And two weeks ago, we talked about the first one. And that was John 3, or not, no, that wasn't John 3, 16. I already read that. It was Genesis, Genesis 3. That's what, I was, that's what got me off. Genesis 3, 6 through 13, where it was the story of Adam and Eve and where they first sinned. And we talked about the key concept for that, for that first truth was that sin is the common problem. Sin is the common problem that we all face. It's not just the common problem that we need, we need forgiveness for, it's the common problem that causes all the problems in our life, right? All the things that we need God to heal us of. And last week, Heather did an amazing job and she talked about the second key concept, which was empty, anybody remember it? Empty wells, yeah, some of you were here, great, wonderful. Empty wells, and it talks, it's using Jeremiah 2.13, which says this, for my people have committed two sins. They've forsaken me first, the spring of living water, and they've dug their own cisterns. They've dug their own wells, they've done, and they're broken cisterns. They're broken wells that cannot hold water. And Heather talked about, well, what are these empty wells that can't hold water? Well, they're simply our, our sins of choice. The sins that we seem to run to over and over again as, as counterfeits, uh, looking for what really only God can give, for what really only he can satisfy in us. We turn to things like possessions and things of pleasure and people and performance and our careers. And, and some of those things aren't bad things. They're not bad things in and of themselves, but when we make them ultimate things, when we look to them, to satisfy what really only God can satisfy. Those things will always leave us empty. They will always run dry. And so we have to identify what are our empty wells? What are our sins of choice? How do we, how do we stop digging them? How do we abandon them? How do we set the shovel aside? And how do we, we turn to God? And we're gonna continue today in this series as we talk about both the third and the fourth uh, truth 
of these eight truths today because um, they're both a little bit shorter. Let me pray for us and then we'll look at those. So Heavenly Father, I thank you for everybody here today. Especially thank you for those who are, who are preparing to be baptized in a little bit. We pray right now, you would just come close to them. You'd put them at ease. Your presence would be with them. Uh, and we, I pray, Lord, that as we talk, what we talk about today, that something would stick in each one of our hearts. Something that, something that you would wanna speak to each person here today, both in person and those watching online, would just stick and resonate. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So the, the third truth, the third truth is based out of Galatians 6, 7, and 8. We actually talked about this verse maybe a month and a half ago. We did a series in the, the uh, letter, going through the letter of Galatians. But it says this, let me read it to you. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, talking about the Holy Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. And that's, the, that's the passage we're going to focus on here to start. And the key concept for this passage is simply what it's talking about, sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping. Now, except for those of you who are farmers in the room, and I know we have a few of you, uh, most of us don't think about sowing and reaping on a daily basis, right? We just go to the grocery store and expect what we want to be there, right? And grab it off the shelves and, and bring it home, right? But, but farmers think about this regularly because a farmer expects to eventually reap what they've sown. Right? He doesn't plant beans in the spring and then go out this time of the year and expect there to be nothing there, right? Or, or there to be corn there instead, no, he expects there to be a crop of beans, right? But in an analogy of our lives, this idea of sowing and reaping has more to do with sowing, what kind of seeds we're sowing. Are we sowing good seeds, you know, seeds uh, of the spirit, or are we sowing bad seeds, sinful seeds out of our flesh? Right? It says, as it says in this verse, meaning our, our sinful nature. Because it says here that eventually over time, if not dealt with, we will reap a bad harvest and with bad fruit if we're sowing out of our, our flesh, out of our sinful nature. He says that's, that's kind of like just a law of nature, just kind of a guarantee. And, and, and if someone says to you, well, why do Christians talk about sin all the time? Right? Why do they do that? Well, it's because, because sin's a really big deal. Sin's a really big deal. It's a really big deal to God because he knows it will produce bad fruit in our lives. We have to address the root issue of sin in our lives because it will always produce bad fruit. And God's not gonna be mocked. God's not gonna be deceived. He's not gonna be tricked. Right? And we know, this, we know this to be true, like sort of, maybe, sometimes. You know, in other people's lives, we know this to be true. Like we can look at other people's lives and be like, well, yeah, I saw that coming. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I knew if they kept doing that over time, that wasn't gonna go well for them, right? But yet for some reason, when it comes to ourselves, we think we're gonna be different, right? We think, we think well, it's not that big of a deal, right? We think, oh, you know, I've got this under control. And then all of a sudden, it's like, all of a sudden we see this bad fruit pop up. And we think, where'd this come from all of a sudden? Well, I guess I shouldn't have ignored that. Right? No, we will reap what we sow, and when we sow from our flesh, we will reap bad fruit eventually unless, unless we deal with it biblically, 
unless we deal with it biblically. And it's not just our sins, but it's also the sins committed against us. You know, the sins that other people harm are harmful to us. And we might say, well, it's not my fault, so I don't need to deal with it. But yet, if we don't deal with it, it's not fair. But if we don't deal with it, it will reap bad, a bad harvest in our lives. We'll experience rotten fruit from that too, whether it's from our parents or our ex or our former boss or whoever. But oftentimes, the reason why we get tricked up by this is the presenting problem is not really the root issue. Rather, it's simply the identification of the bad fruit produced by sin. Two weeks ago, let me explain what I mean by that. Two weeks ago, I shared a story about how I struggled, my struggle with anger. And if you were here, I'm happy to report that even after last night, all the TV remotes in my house are whole and intact. I did that, it was, it was a little... It was a little stressful last night if you were up watching a certain game, uh, but it, it turned out well, it turned out well. Um, but uh, but, I, but what, what God showed me, as I shared that, if you weren't here, I shared a story of struggling with anger and, and having these outbursts of anger. Uh, and, and what God has showed me is that my presenting problem of these anger outbursts actually wasn't the root issue. It wasn't the root issue. That wasn't, that, that outward problem wasn't the real issue. It was rather, it was the outward bad fruit that was produced by my inward sin, which was really the issue, my issue with control. It was my sin issue with control that I, I when, when a situation felt out of control, even as silly as like a football game, right? When it felt out of control with me, I would try to take control in any way I could. And when that didn't work out, which oftentimes it doesn't, that would come out as anger. But anger was, the, anger was the bad fruit. These anger outbursts in me were the, was the bad fruit being produced when really the inward issue of sin was my issue with control. You know, oftentimes when people will say, hey, I need help, like my spouse, and we're not seeing eye to eye, or I've accrued too much debt, or I don't know why all my friends keep putting up walls and distancing themselves from me. You know, oftentimes that visible problem is not the root issue. It's just the manifestation of the bad fruit over time. People say to me, hey, can you just, can you just get together with me and my wife and, and, and make my wife listen to me? Right? If she could just listen to me, that would solve the problem. No, that's not gonna solve the problem, right? Or if I could just make more money, right, to, and keep up with all my mall spending trips, right, that, that, would, that would solve the problem. Well, no, that's not really gonna solve the problem, right? Or, or um, if I could just get some better friends, who could just realize that I'm just high maintenance. I have lots of needs, right? If they could just be more like Christ and be more gracious to me, then I don't really have to change. Yeah, see, that's not gonna solve the problem. It's not getting to the, the root issue. Jesus wants to transform us from the inside out. And, he, and in helping ourselves and helping others, we have to ask our God, is this presenting problem, is this outward problem the actual sin issue or is it just the bad fruit? Because if it's just the bad fruit, if that's all we address is the bad fruit, then what's gonna happen? We're just gonna grow more bad fruit. Bad fruit's just gonna keep popping up over time. It's like if I go mow my lawn and I think that's gonna take care of my dandelion issue, right? Just chopping off all the yellow tops of them, that's gonna take care of it. That might look good for a day, but I'm gonna wake up the next morning and what's gonna be there? Just more dandelions, right? They just pop up overnight. And it's probably gonna even make it worse because now I've just spread all the seeds out 
and I've grown, I'm growing even more dandelions, right? No, it has to get to the root of the issue to take care of it, right? And all too often, the reason the, the outward presenting problem got, gets that bad in the first place is because we've really just kept sweeping it under the carpet, right? Instead of really turning to God and asking him to help clean it up. Many people will sweep sin under the carpet, both our own sins and the sins committed against us, right? Only, and it's only after we repeatedly seem to trip over the same bumps in the carpet that we finally decide that, that we need help, right? That was my own personal experience with anger, that no matter how many times I kept trying to avoid it, uh, go around it, ignore it, uh, move the furniture, you know, <laughs> over top of it, I just kept tripping over it over and over and over again. So our role, whether it's in our own lives or in the lives of people around us, is to support what God is doing as he slowly pulls back the carpet and addressing what's been swept underneath. You know, to, to, to help our friend and asking the question, well, why? Why do you think this problem keeps happening? Helping them get to the root of the issue, but, but doing so with grace, and humility, right? We wanna listen for God's voice. We wanna look for his activity. We wanna partner with what he's doing. We don't wanna walk up to a friend you know, tomorrow and say, hey, I heard this sermon about sin and, and I've been watching you and you got a lot of problems. And you know, like, so let's, like, let's pull the carpet. Let's deal with them all right now, all at once. Right? That's not gonna be helpful. It's not gonna be helpful. No, it's, it's our role not to force, it's not our role to force things to the surface or to address every bump all at once, but instead trust God that he will be faithful to gently pull back the carpet in, 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 in our lives and in lives of people around us. Our role is to cooperate with what the Holy Spirit is already doing. Let me, let me give you a, a fictitious example of what this might look like, okay? So let's say a friend comes to you, a friend of yours, and, and on the outside, this friend seems to have it all together, you know, just a great family and great job, and like American dream stuff, right? This, everything looks like it's all going together. And they come to you and say, hey, hey, I'm actually kind of struggling. I'm really struggling with anxiety, depression. Ever since I was a teenager, I've taken medication for anxiety and depression, and that helps. It helps, but yet it's still, it's like, it's still there, it's still lingering, and lately it's just been so rough. You know, if you, if you turn to them and say, oh, I'm really sorry to hear that, um, it's interesting that you said that that started when you were a teenager. You know, was there anything that happened when you were a teenager? You know, what, was your, what were the teenage years like for you? And for, and, and for that person to say, well, I think they were pretty normal. Like my parents, they really, they tried to, you know, really push me and encourage me and, and drive me to, to do my best. That's really helped me in my career. And okay, well, what did that look like? What did it look like for them to, you know, motivate you and encourage you? Well, they would just say, like my dad would say normal things like, you're worthless, or you're never gonna amount to anything. Or if you're not gonna get straight A's and be valedictorian, then why would I ever pay for any of your school or help you with that at all? Or if you're gonna try out for the play and not get the lead, then why'd you try out in the first place? You know, he would just say normal things like that to me. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that's normal, right? I, don't, I actually think that's verbally abusive. Oh, really? Well, well it was a long time ago. You know, don't worry, no, no big deal. No, I think it actually might be a big deal that God wants to slowly 
pull back? You know, why, why must we deal with sin? Why must we deal with it? We can, why can't we just move on with life and ignore it? Well, we can't do that if we wanna be biblical people. We can't just keep it under the rug and keep trying to walk around it as best we can forever and hope it will just go away on its own. There's no statue of limitations on sin. We can't just say, well, I only need to deal with the sin that happened, you know, like, you know, like if it's happened in the last six months. You know, if it's older than that or it's been more than a year, then I don't need to deal with it. Well, no, we, we need to deal with it. We need to deal with it if we wanna be biblical people, right? And we need to deal with the sins that have been committed against us and the ones that we've done, even if they were a long time ago, because it impacts us. It, it, it can cause reoccurring bad fruit in our lives, right? And it's not so that, why do we need to bring it up even if it was a long time ago? It's not because God just wants us to feel bad about our sins again. It's not because he just wants us to feel guilty and shameful and keep beating ourselves up about it. And it's not so because he wants us to keep beating up the people who've committed sins against us, our parents or our ex or our former boss or whoever, a friend, right? It's not that either. It's because, it's because God wants to heal us. It's because God wants to uproot that, that, that bad fruit in our lives. It's because he wants to sozo us. He wants to free us. He wants to change us from the inside out. If someone says to you, well, why do I have to deal with these sins from my past? It's because of Galatians 6, 7, and 8. Right? Whatever's sown in the flesh will reap destruction. Do you, do you see any evidence of destruction in your life? Are there any bumps in the carpet that you've, just been ignoring and keep tripping over. Sin's a really big deal because God knows it will produce bad fruit and he wants us to be completely free from that. He wants to transform us more and more into the image of Christ. How do we know? How do we know if sins from our past are still having an impact on us? How do we know? How do we know if that sin hasn't been fully dealt with? Well, I apologized about that a long time ago. Or I told my dad 20 years ago, like, no big deal. I know he's just trying to motivate me right now. How do we know? Well, like, like an exaggerated bend in a fishing pole tells us that we've hooked something under the surface of the water. Exaggerated bends in our emotions tell us something has been hooked under the surface of our lives. Anytime we see exaggerated emotion that really doesn't fit the situation, that can be an indication that there's an area of sin that hasn't fully been dealt with yet. You know, like exaggerated anger, like in my example, or jealousy, or extreme sadness, or bitterness, or feeling overwhelmed even at the littlest things. You know, when we experience those kinds of emotions, that could be an indication something's been hooked underneath the surface. So if, like for example, a wife is getting ready and she turns to her husband and she says, hey, how does this look on me? And the husband genuinely looks and genuinely says, it looks nice. And she says, just nice? Just, just nice? Well, what's wrong with it? Like, is it not quite fitting? How's the backside look? How's the backside, right? It looks, it looks good on the backside. Just good? Like, clearly something has been hooked, right? Something has been hooked. Uh, or if at work, you know, a boss comes up to you and uh, and says, hey, can you look over these numbers again real quick? I, I'm, I'm, I feel like maybe something's a little bit off. Maybe we, you know, there's a little bit, just can you give them a second glance? And the person looks at the boss and says, well, Jim's supposed to look at the numbers after me. They were fine when I had them. 
If, if something's wrong, it's Jim's fault. Why are you coming and criticizing me? I don't know if I can work here anymore. I just feel like you're gaslighting me all the time. I quit, I'm done, right? Okay, whoa, I just thought maybe a decimal place might be out of, you know, like, like something has been hooked under the surface. And so what do we do? What do we do then? That leads to the fourth truth in talking about the gospel of wholeness. And this one's fairly quick. Um, the fourth truth is based out of Colossians 2.6. Colossians 2.6 says this, as you therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk with him. Other translations might say, just as you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. And the, the key concept for this verse is turning the corner. Turning the corner, because that's just what we're doing. We're turning the corner. So far in this series, we've pretty much just been talking about identifying the problem, right? Which is what again? What's the problem again? Sin, okay, good, good, we're listening, awesome. We're identifying our common problem is sin and we've dug these empty wells, right? Trying to draw water from these other places. And now we're, we've reaped a little bit of what we've sown or what's been sown into our lives. And so now we're turning the corner from identifying the issue, the problem, to now seeking the solution. And the way that we do this, the way that we do this is we have to understand again that the gospel of wholeness, the whole gospel, is that our sanctification, how we change, occurs the same way as our salvation. Our sanctification, how we become more and more like Christ, occurs the same way as our salvation. See, Jesus, he didn't save us and forgive us to then like turn the corner on his own and then leave us to figure out how to get there. No, he, he invites us to walk with him to follow him. In the same way that you got saved, now be sanctified. That's what Colossians 2.6 is talking about. As you received him at the beginning of becoming a Christian, now keep walking with him in that. I think that sounds like good in theory, but I don't know if we always know what that looks like in practice. We often miss this, I think. See, the question we need to ask ourselves, okay, if sanctification is like salvation, then, well, then how do we get saved in the first place? How do we find salvation? Because that's gonna lead us into understanding how we can grow, how we can be sanctified. So how many of you who are Christians got saved by doing a lot of really, really good things? Any, anybody? No? It's good to good, do good things, right? But that's not what saved you, right? How many of you, how many of you who, got, who are Christians got saved because um, you just spent a lot of time with Christians. It just like rubbed off on you, like osmosis or something like that. Yeah, no, no. I mean, it's helpful to hang around with Christians. That's super helpful to grow in our faith. Or, you know, how about reading the Bible or just coming to church? Is that what saved you? No, it's not. Those are all really, really good things. But all of us, we, those of us who are Christians, we all got saved by a supernatural work of God. Not one of us saved ourselves. Not one of us did. God did something in me. He did something in you to sozo me, to, to forgive me, to heal me, to, to, to pardon me of all my sins. In the same way, God is in the process of healing me and restoring me and making me whole, right? It's supernatural. It's something of heaven getting into us here on earth. God is doing something in us. It's like Galatians 3.3 says this, how foolish can you be? After starting your new lives in the spirit, why are you now trying to be perfect 
by your own human effort. He says, he says, the way that you get saved is the same way that you get sanctified and yet you're trying to do it differently. You know, if we really looked at our lives, I think a lot of us would say, hey, the way I received Christ was one way, but the way I'm, I'm trying to walk with him is this other way. Our salvation that we received from Christ was a supernatural event, something he did in us. And yet we try, we try to, to make our sanctification all about our own efforts, our own hard work, right? Like we have to try to turn the corner all by ourselves. And that's not true. And that needs to be changed in our minds and it needs to be changed in our practice and how we walk with him. So in turning the corner and, and walking with Jesus and being sanctified by him, we have to change the way we approach our sin problem and realizing that we can't do it on our own. It's a supernatural thing that God must keep doing in us to sozo us. And the very, very practical way that we do this with God is gonna have to wait till next week because I, know, I told you, I warned you at the beginning. I warned you at the beginning. This is gonna be like a to be continued. We just don't have enough time to cover that because we have 10 people we're gonna baptize today, which is awesome, awesome. So uh, come back next week. We'll, we'll continue that next week. But we're going to transition to baptisms now. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. I hope that what you heard has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. For more information and to contact us, go to vcdc.org. We'll bless you. Have a wonderful week.